I got a word that I want to share with you today. It's going to come from John chapter 21, starting with verse 15. John chapter 21, starting with verse 15. And the title of my message is, It's Finished, But It's Not Over. Do you love me? It's finished, but it's not over. Do you love me? There's a series on TV. It's called SEAL Team 6. There's a commander of one of the SEAL teams, and his name is John. He has a wife and two teenage children. And we, my wife and I watched that series, and, and uh, there was a, one of the shows, uh, they were fighting with each other. And, and he and his wife were fighting with one another and they've always had some division because she was always afraid that he was going to get killed going over on these different missions where some of his teammates and other SEALs have died. And so she, was, she said, I can't live like this anymore. And one of the shows, they were fighting with each other. And he wanted a, a six-pack of beer, and he was going to go out and get it. She said, I'll go out and get it. And, and so she ends up driving off to the store. And Jason, not John, Jason, the, um, he gets a phone call and hears that his wife has been in a car accident. He drives to the hospital. He's sitting in the waiting room. The doctor comes out and said, we did everything we can, but she didn't make it. She died. And can you imagine, in all honesty, how did he feel? Knowing that the last words that he shared and she shared and they shared with each other were words where there was division and there was fighting going on. If he could have that conversation all over again, it would be totally different. There are times within our own lives when we experience conversations that end in a bad note. And the relationship sometimes even ends for a season or even longer than a season, seasons and seasons. It's when a friend maybe can't make the graduation of graduation party of, of, of your a person's child. And, and this friend is upset. They're like, I went to your child's graduation. You couldn't even come. And, and just over something so small, they end up not talking again. It might be a baby shower where, where some grandmother wanted some of her friend to come and that friend couldn't make it. And, and there's a breakup as a result of that. It might be something where somebody even worse has betrayed you, has talked behind your back. Maybe there's been a, a, a lying and, a, and a, a slanderous thing that is said, you know, but you, and there's been hurt and pain, but it's never dealt with. It happens in, in marriages. It happens within relationships of siblings with one another. They, they fight and they never talk again or they don't talk for a long season. And, and, and so today what I want to do is I want to ask the question, how do you restore such a relationship? How do you restore when there's been a brokenness there? How do you restore it? And I think the message today 
just goes right along answering that question. If you'll take a look at John chapter 21, let me give you some of the backstory of that, what's going on here. In John 21, the uh, apostles have already experienced the resurrected Jesus. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. They've already seen him. They've already touched him. The women have experienced him. They went to the tomb. They experienced him as well. And Jesus has appeared to them twice already. And now Jesus is going to appear again. And, and, and they're, they're out in a boat fishing. And, it, and, and they're, out, they're out fishing in a boat on a lake. And, and Jesus is standing on the water <clears throat> not on the water, on shoreline, and he yells out, because they've been fishing all night. They caught absolutely nothing. And so Jesus yells out and says, says, throw your net on the other side. And so they throw their net onto the other side, and as a result of listening to Jesus, they didn't know at the time it was Jesus, they end up catching about 159 fish in the net. They could barely pull it in. John's saying, John says, that's Jesus. And Peter goes, Jesus, and he puts on his robe and he jumps in the water and he starts swimming to shore to meet Jesus. And the disciples are, are rowing the boat and pulling the net and the bet, net didn't break open, but, but, he's, but the, the, it's almost ready to break. They can barely get it in. And Peter gets back in the boat and helps them get all the fish in. And then Jesus, who's cooking fish already on shore, there's a fire going. He says, get some of those fish and let's have breakfast together. And so he's having breakfast with them. And then he pulls Peter over to the side with him where the disciples could hear the conversation going on. And it goes from a, a boat scene to a beach scene. And it's there that Jesus asks him, do you love me? Now, I want you to know the reason that he asks, do you love me? It's because Peter has denied Jesus three times in a courtyard when Jesus was being tried and beaten. And Jesus, before that ever happened, during communion time, when all of the apostles were together, when Jesus said, all of you will fall away, Jesus said, I will not fall away. There's no way I will fall away. Though everybody else falls away, though everybody else might not love you, that much I can tell you I love them more than all of them that's what Jesus was, Peter was basically saying and 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 Jesus said before the cock crows three times tonight you will deny me and sure enough when after Jesus had been taken into custody the all of the disciples fell away and Peter was left in the courtyard and it was there that the people that were in the courtyard said, isn't this man, isn't he one of the Galileans? Wasn't he with Jesus? Isn't he one of Jesus' disciples? And Peter once said, I don't even know him. Another time said, I have no idea. I'm not part of that group. And then finally started swearing and, 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 and yelling, I'm not. And he was cursing. And, and then all of a sudden, a cock crowed. The third time, and Peter remembered, and it tells us in one of the Gospels that Jesus was there looking, and Peter looked right at him, and it was there that Peter ran away, brokenhearted, sorry for what he did, but he ran away. And, and, and so now, Peter broke that relationship off on a bad note, 
but there was now another chance for restoration. And, and, and Jesus pulls Peter to the side and talks to him. And this is what he says. He says this in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I'm going to tell you that, that what Jesus did gives us some principles that will help us restore some relationships that might be broken in our own lives. And there's not a better day to do it, a better week to do it, than the week after Easter. Because on Easter, it was God reconciling human sinful beings to himself. And now, because of that reconciliation to him, we can now extend reconciling hands towards others that we might have broken relationships with. And I want to tell you the first thing is this. Confront it. Confront the problem. Deal with the issue. Don't sweep it under the rug. I want you to see again what it says. It says here that, that Jesus, right, he went to them. He went to Peter. It says in verse 15, the beginning, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Jesus was the one that spoke first. I'm sure Peter, Peter wanted to sweep it under a rug. I mean, he was embarrassed by it. He impulsively acted. He let his emotions get the best of him. He kind of let go of all of the commitment to Jesus at that moment there just for a second. And as a result, he denied him three times. Peter loved Jesus. And yet, yet, he, he, he was brokenhearted and wouldn't talk necessarily about the problem. And Jesus says, Peter, we got to confront this. Peter, let me talk to you. And he confronts him on it. I can tell you that one of the first steps of finding reconciliation, restoration, is don't ignore it. Confront it. Don't act as if it never happened. Don't pretend there's an elephant in the room. We want to sweep it under the rug. Even if you have ever offended anybody and you know, I didn't want to do that. It might have been your spouse. It might have been one of your children. It might have been a child to a parent or whatever it might be. You want to sweep it under there. You, you, you acted in ignorance. It was stupidity. Whatever the reason was, you, you were rash in the moment. You acted and, and, and you hurt somebody. And you might feel bad to sweep it under the rug, but what I'm saying, it has to be brought out. 
You can't just ignore what took place because the person that's been hurt or damaged, they need some kind of restoration, restitution. There, there, needs, to, there needs to be some kind of forgiveness and, and confession and, and, and so that God can move in and bring a healing in the relationship. And if you just try to ignore it and move on, you take that stuff with you. That thing sits under the rug and you trip over that constantly. It's in the back of the head that's been, person that's been hurt possibly. So you confront it. When I was in Florida, I was going to college down there and I was uh, maybe 23 years old or so and I had rented a house with some of my classmates and there were several of us that living in a house in and, and, and Florida and, and one night we could hear something crawling around and we never dealt with it and, and it was crawling inside the seal. I'm like, what on earth is it? What is that? And, and, and then the, the, the crawling disappeared. You know, we didn't hear it. After a few nights, it was gone. But in about two weeks or so, we could smell something in the house. And I mean, it started to stink in that house. And so the stink got so bad that we, we could barely live there. And so we ended up going to the wall, one of the walls of that house where the stink was the greatest. And we cut a hole in the drywall. And you know what we found there? We found a possum that had fallen down through the rafters and down into the wall and couldn't get out and died. And it was rotting and it was like soup and it was disgusting. And it stunk bad. I'm telling you, if you don't deal with the broken relationships that you have within your life, it's like having a possum inside your soul that's been rotting. It stinks. Your spirit stinks. You got you to gotta confront it. And not only that, it's not one possum, it's two, it's three. They build up. It's not just that there's one thing under the rug. You trip over every place you walk in life. And it begins to taint every relationship. And so we got to confront it. We've got to, to face it. We've got to, to deal with it, right? Jesus is teaching. Don't be afraid to deal with it. Even within Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, Jesus was talking to the disciples and, 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 he, and he said to them, they, he was telling them how to, how to uh, bring healing within broken relationships. And in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, it says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point it out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two along so that every matter may be established by, two by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. What Jesus is teaching here is that you've got to deal with the issue and deal with the sin and deal with the brokenness. And, and, and he's, he's doing that within this passage within John as well. But now he's practicing it and he's showing you how to do it. You've got to confront the issue. Is there something in your life right now? Is there a broken relationship in your life right now? Is there something that is tainting your life and you think about it? It bothers you. It nags at you. You've not yet talked, confronted, dealt with it in some way. It's something that somebody might have done to you. It's something maybe that you've done to somebody else. 
I'm saying that you don't want that to rot your spirit. Confront, confront it. There comes a moment to confront it. Another thing that we see within this passage is this, and, and look what it says within the passage. Again, I want to read this passage, and, it's, and it says where, uh, it says in verse 15, When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Right? He might have been looking at all of the equipment. He might have been looking at the net. He might have been looking at all, the boat as well. And maybe he's referring to, Peter, you've gone back to fishing. I told you you're going to be a fisher of men and, and not a, a fisher of fish. I'm going to make you a fisher of men, of people. You're going to win people for me. But he also might have been looking at the disciples and saying, do you love me more than these? And he didn't mean it in, in trying to prove, oh, Peter really did love me more than these, or he does love me more than these, because those disciples loved him too. But they also left him alone that night and ran away. And, and so what Jesus is doing is saying, Peter, take a look. Take a look. Look around. You made a promise to me. You said that when, when I said everybody's going to fall away, you said everybody but me, Lord. You said nobody's going to follow you, but I can tell you I'm going to follow you. I'm committed to you no matter what. what. What Jesus is doing is confronting him. Jesus is saying, Peter, Peter, you said you loved me then. You said you loved me. You said you were ready to die for me. And you know that's not what happened. You denied me. Peter, you, you denied me right when I needed you the most at that very moment. You denied me. And you walked away. Oh, I'm sure it was painful. If you take a look at the rest of the story, what does it tell us in the scripture? It tells us that it, he, said, he said in 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. But look, Jesus then says, feed my lambs. In other words, don't go back to fishing. Go to what I've told you you're going to be doing. Feed my lambs then. Do you really love me? And then, and then in verse 16, it says, and again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. So feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. And then in the, verse 17, it says, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. It cut him. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I want you to, I want you to be committed to me, Peter. Jesus even goes on, if you take a look in the passage of Scripture, verse 18, he, say, he tells them how he's going he's to, he's, he needs to make sure that he's ready to die. In following Jesus, he says in verse 18, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress and lead you where you do not want to go. 
Jesus said this in verse 19. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus was telling him that someone's going to lead you. And you know what we know? Peter ended up dying for his faith. And he didn't die just on the cross, but he said, hang me upside down because I am not worthy to hang the way my Savior hung on that cross. And Jesus was, was saying, listen, Peter, if you love me, I want you to be committed to me. And he's dealing with the fallen Peter's fallenness and the, the, what he did and what he committed. And he's talking about it. But he had to so that Peter would never forget it. So Peter would know how bad it hurt. So Peter would say, I never, ever, ever will ever do that again. And, he, and, and Jesus is not only telling him, don't deny me. But do you love me? Then I want you to go back. Jesus is giving him a, he's reiterating the call he put on his life. I want you to go back to being a fisher of men. But he uses another example. Feed my lambs if you love me. Care for my sheep if you love me. Feed my sheep if you love me. And he's restoring him right there. In our own lives, I want you to know we got to deal with some of that ugly stuff, those broken relationships, something happened that caused them to break. And I'm not saying you've got to dig through and pick through and who's right and who's wrong, because the reality is you'll never really maybe come to any conclusions and conclusive decisions upon that. However, you still have to acknowledge it. The one that is offended needs to be able to confront the one who has caused the offense and just share the hurt and the pain so that that, that person who has been hurt can share and, and say, this is how I felt and this is what it did to me. Why? So that the person who committed the offense will understand the pain that was caused as a result of it. That they will, that they will see what happened as a result of what they said or what they wrote or what they sent in a message or what they spoke or what they did so that they can also change as well and come clean and just confess it. I hurt you. I hurt you and I'm sorry. It wasn't right. Then as you talk with one another and you share and, and, and a brother talking to a brother, and I mean biological, a sister talking to a sister or a brother, I mean biological, I mean within households where people you have, some of you might not have been speaking to each other for years. It's time. You, you'll end up regretting this if you continue to hold on to it because that person may die. You'll never get a chance to say what you know you wanted to say. You never get a chance to bring healing within that relationship. It's time. It's time to step out. It's time to confront it. It's time to be honest about it. It's time to talk about it. And not to, not to make excuses for it. Not to give all the different reasons, well, if I hurt you or if I... 
Is somebody hurt? Then just fess up to it. Did you intend to do it? I don't know. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. I've heard people. I didn't, might not have intentionally hurt them, but I hurt them. If someone wrecks into your car and there's a car accident and your car is, is beat up and you got to get new fenders and a bumper and a new windshield. Listen, the thing is broke. You're bruised up as well. I mean, did, did, if you hit somebody and you did that, did you intend to do it? No, but you did it. And so confess and, and fess up to it. And then there's, there's got to be this, this mutual talking where not only when, someone, when someone's confessing, but forgiveness too. To say, you know what, I thank you for understanding my pain. And I want you to know we're wiping this off the record books. That account that I've been writing down, it's completely gone. It's washed away. This is a new start. And now you can start to build trust again. See, forgiveness is crucial too. And I, I'm not saying that, 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 that if you are going to be stand right in the presence of God, that you have to have forgiveness from somebody that you hurt because you have to go to the Lord and find forgiveness and restoration. But, and you might have to go to that person and find and ask for forgiveness. But even if that person doesn't forgive you, you're forgiven. You've done your part. They might say, no, I'm not forgiving you. You're right in the sight of God because you've gone to him and you've gone to them. And vice versa, that person who has been hurt might go to the, go to the person that offended him and hurt him and might say, listen, you hurt me. And let me tell you, my spirit was broken. And, and, and they, might, they, might, they might begin to share it and the person that has been the person that hurt them might say, take a hike. Toughen up, grow up, and, and never come clean with it. But it doesn't mean that person cannot forgive the one who hurt them. All they have to do is say, Lord, I forgive them, and I put them in your hands. See, there can be, there can be forgiveness and the granting of forgiveness that takes place even without reconciliation. But the best thing is reconciliation when two people can come together and know God is forgiven, the person that's hurts forgiven, the person that has caused the offense is confessing and saying, I'm going to be different and this is going to be a different relationship. It's then that trust can be built and a new relationship. And you know, the beautiful thing about this passage is that Jesus restores Peter, and he lets Peter know, Peter, I want you to know I haven't removed my call from your life. Peter, I want you to know that you still, do you love me? I want you to feed the sheep, and I want you to care for the sheep. I want you to feed the lambs. I want you to still do and follow me what I originally called you to do. That's God. God can restore so there has to be this moment of confronting it, sifting and talking through it. Forgiveness and confession and a cleansing and a new slate laid out. And another thing is this. 
all depending how, on how public it was. That's how public the restoration has to be. For, for Peter, everybody knew that he denied Jesus. Everybody knew that Peter was brokenhearted. He probably hid out with the other apostles and the disciples while Jesus was going through the crucifixion and everything. And, and, and even after he was put in the tomb and, and he was probably weeping because his heart was broken. Everybody knew. And so Jesus does this publicly. And everybody hears, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep and feed my lambs and take care of my sheep. In other words, everybody knows that Peter has received the right hand of fellowship. He is restored back into the life and the ministry of the church and the family of God. And now Jesus is the one. He is the advocate for him and says, He's the man. He's a man of character. I'm restoring him. It's got to be public. And this way, nobody can talk. The disciples can't talk. Oh, that Peter, you know. If Jesus never did this, Peter, oh, that Peter, he thinks he's something. Now he's going to stand up on the day of Pentecost and he's going to be preaching. Oh, that Peter, now he's going to be going out. He's going to be preaching to all these people after the man at the gate called beautiful God got healed and could walk. They couldn't say a word because Jesus endorsed them. In the same way, when restoration takes place, Make sure that when your marriage is repaired, that you go to your friends that you might have been talking to and bad-mouthing your spouse and tearing them down, that you go and you say, my wife and I, my, my husband and I, there's restoration that has taken place. They're not the same person. I'm not the same person. But you go to that group that you might have had at maybe prayer meeting where you've just, you've just basically totally tore someone's character apart in front of everybody. You need to go back. And you need to tell them, it's wrong. They're not the same person. They're restored. Restore them so that they could be respected and they could be known as a, a man and woman of God, as a child of God, as a person that people can depend upon. It's finished, but it's not over. Do you love me? Jesus restored Peter. Jesus forgave Peter. Peter came clean. A great restoration took place. Do you love me, Peter? I love you, Lord.
Is there somebody in your life today you've been fighting with, you're angry with, you're, you've been hurt by, and you carry this thing, and there's a possum that's rotting in your spirit. It's time to cut through the drywall. It's time to do some heart surgery. And remember what Jesus did on that cross for you and me. He gave us all. Our debt was more, much more greater probably than anything ever, anybody ever did to us. But he forgave us. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew 18 and he says, after he says, go to that person and Peter says, how many times? He says, no, not seven, 77 times, meaning how many times it takes. And he, and he tells a parable and says, listen, there's a, 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 a king that, and, and there was somebody that one of his servants was, was taking a lot of money from him and ended up taking so much it was like $10 million. And when the king found out and wanted to get all of his accounts right, they found the servant and he said, I'm throwing that servant in prison, everybody else in prison, I'm selling his family into slavery. And the man cried out and, and, and the king said, I'll forgive you. It's completely wiped away, showed mercy on him. But that same servant went to another servant who only owed him very little. And that servant that owed a very little couldn't pay it and he held it against them and said, I'm throwing you in prison, I'm selling your family. And the other servants heard and went back to the king and the king came back and said to that servant that had been forgiven so much, how can you do this? You've been forgiven so much and they owe you so little. And he ended up saying, you owe me everything you owed before. And Jesus is saying, if we've been forgiven so much, let's grant it. Let's grant that little compared to our much that we've been forgiven. There's somebody you need to make reconciliation with. There's somebody you need to talk to. You may never have a, a close relationship, but I'll tell you what, you don't have to have that possum living in your spirit anymore. Not living, dead in your spirit. You can be set free and you no longer have to allow that to taint every relationship and every part of your life. You might need to go to that person. I mean, I think that think the, the spirit of all of this is whoever was offended, go, but who, whoever maybe caused an offense, go. Don't wait for one or the other, just go. Deal with it. Talk through it. Don't take offense to hearing the hurt and what a person was feeling, whether it's, whether it's reality or their reality. Just listen and own it and ask God to move in and confess, give, grant forgiveness so that you can live in peace build a new relationship Peter went on to be one of the greatest God used him and Peter 
And Jesus had an amazing relationship even after Jesus had ascended into heaven. Think about that person. Think about how you're going to deal with this today and this week. Let's pray. It's finished, but it's not over, Lord. Do you love me? That's what you asked, Peter, when there was this broken relationship. And though it was unspoken and it was like an elephant in the room, you dealt with it, you confronted it, and you got to the nitty-gritty of what was going on, and that was the commitment that Peter needed to have restored, be able to stand for you. And you did it publicly. God, there's situations in our own lives, and Lord, we no longer want to carry around this dead possum smell. We no longer want to be tripping over this rug with what's underneath it, Lord, is so big and causing us to trip. We want to clean it out. We want to get the, get the possum out and the stink will be gone. So God help us this week to know, who do we have to talk to? What person? What family member? What friend? What relationship? It's been broken. Help us to go. Have your wisdom. And Lord, I pray that you'll produce healing on both sides. The one that needs forgiveness would confess and receive forgiveness. And the one that needs to forgive would have their spirits cleaned out of the bitterness so that it will never be brought up again. It's finished, but it's not over. Do you love me? As you restored Peter into relationship with you and into the calling you placed, restore this relationship in the name of Jesus. Restore trust. In the name of Jesus. And do it publicly to stop the chatter. And so that the two can be people of character. Men of God. Women of God. Children of God. In the name of Jesus. If you need Jesus this morning, would you invite him into your heart? Just say, Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Make your home in me, Holy Spirit of God. And give me your power so that I could live for you every day. I want to walk in relationship with you. In Jesus' name, have your hands upon every household, Lord. 
every family that's out there, every person that is listening, God, may they know that you are real and that you are alive and that you love them. That you're God of great mercy and grace. And that anybody willing to turn to you, anybody willing to confess and find cleansing and restoration can experience it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. May we walk in your peace today and always. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, the one who died, the one who rose from the dead, the great reconciler, our Lord and Savior. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. See you tomorrow, 1215. Join me for my devotional. Bye-bye.